Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'd like to introduce our guest today, who is my boss, uh, the CEO of the IR1, John Endres. John, welcome. Morning, Sarah. How are you? No, well, thank you. And you? Also good, thank you. John, we are going to talk today about Ukraine, um, with the emphasis on the effect of the war in Ukraine on what effect it could it ha- could it probably will have on South Africa. But perhaps mm-hmm. just to chat about a couple of general things about this the, this crisis. Certainly, and and this is where the, the sort of international media plays a role. The images now of increasingly destroyed buildings and and burnt out uh, cars and knowledge that more and more civilians are dying so it if you if you take if you if you support ukraine that, that just sort of aggravates your, your your sense of injustice if you believe that russia has a point it's it's got to have some effect against russia because it, it it's starting to really look like a war zone yeah um so i think there's been some talk already about Putin possibly having mis- miscalculated his campaign in Ukraine. Uh, and I think that these kinds of images really lend a lot of credence to that uh, in the sense that people who supported the Russian intervention in Ukraine probably would have wanted it to be uh, clinical, very rapid, with very little loss of civilian life, um, as little uh, destruction and disruption of civilian uh, life as possible. And that increasingly seems not to be the case. Um, mm-hmm. So already we're seeing that uh, there are reports of over 350 civilians having been killed, including 14 children in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, those numbers are only going to get worse. Uh, and every single uh, you know, civilian death, I think, uh, puts Putin further down in the popularity stakes and makes it more difficult for him to defend the invasion mm-hmm. to the Russian people and probably also to his own supporters within uh, the party and government. I think your your point about uh, the miscalculation is maybe uh, illustrated by the fact that there is apparently now a military convoy that is 40 miles long heading towards uh, Kiev. Now, 40 miles long is like from here to Michalisburg. I mean, it, obviously, he's, he, he, he appears to be ramping up and presumably in, at, at, in the end, uh, he will seize the whole of Ukraine one way or the other. But... In in the time that he does that, world sympathy has to go to the Ukrainians and possibly more, even more protests by the Russians who, by Russian, the ordinary Russians who get very quickly arrested for protesting, but they seem to be coming out in increasing numbers. So it's a sign of strength and a sign of weakness at the same time. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I've also seen these images of this huge convoy, um, and you can just imagine how terrifying it must be if you are in Kiev and you see this this enormous quantity of uh, military material traveling towards you at a slow pace uh, and knowing what's going to happen. You know, they'll they'll surround the town, they'll probably shell it, uh, you know, close all the exits, uh, prevent resources, food, water getting into into town, uh, and ultimately, you know, in that way. Uh, get get the, the town to surrender at some stage. Mm-hmm. But uh, another element of the miscalculation, I think, is how easy would it be to hold Ukraine? Mm-hmm. So even if you manage to conquer you know, the larger towns and you occupy them, uh, you'll be shot at all the time uh, as mm-hmm. a Russian, Russian soldier. The countryside will be, uh, you know, I, I don't think will we'll, we'll be passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll continue fighting as well. And it, it, it'll turn into a kind of quagmire. And the longer mm-hmm. this, this gets dragged out, the worse it is for Putin. 
Just one sort of one question, last question on the generals in the general sense. Um, I mean, the risk. I mean, the the West risks this, the the scenario based on what you've said of seeing. You know, people are giving uh, countries are giving weaponry, but mm. not uh, but not uh, uh, troops on the ground and and and, and planes in the sky, and. They, the West is going to things that may have to change dramatically because the West is going to watch this happening and watch Ukraine sort of slip from the shall I say democratic world's grasp, um, mm. and it's surely it, it's got to make a huge change to a whole lot of policies as well as to the the actions of NATO. Yeah, and we're we're starting to see that already. Um, I think we are witnessing um, a, a shift. In history, um, we, we are a different world now than we were a, a week ago. Mm. Uh, just to give you one example, um, Germany um, was quite pacifist, um, with good reason, after the Second mm -hmm. World War. Um, its military budget, uh, its last one was 50 billion euros, approximately. And they've just overnight added 100 billion to that. And 100 billion yeah. euros, you know, how much is that? That's, that's uh, you know, uh, 1.7 trillion rand. That's that's mm. the entire tax collection of the entire South African state. That's a huge <laughs> amount of money. Uh, they may as well take it. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but what you've seen, I've really been surprised by the, the speed and the vehemence of the Western world's reaction. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, NATO and the West was decried as being soft and pacifist and weakened and incapable of making decisions. And I think they've really uh, shown us that, that that isn't true. Mm. Um, they've made some very profound decisions very quickly, uh, also mm. in the financial sphere. If you think of blocking Russia from the SWIFT yes. uh, system, uh, of freezing their, their central bank reserves, um, I think of seizing some assets of, of uh, you know, uh, Russian leaders, uh, members of the elite. This has happened in less than a week. And it's, it's going to the, the, the shockwaves of these changes are going to reverberate for decades to come. You know, so this has changed everything. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, I mean, I've said rather uh, casually <laughs> is that what this does and the response that you talk about, the response w was probably miscalculated by virtue of the sort of, um, the, the, by virtue of the sort of, um, what, what should I say, um, um, elite, uh, Western, uh, privileged, attitudes to the political space where the concentration has been heavily on uh, defeating climate change and um, mm. uh, wokeness, if I can put it that way, and all those sort of what I would call almost indulgences of comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly the, the West is having to show that those things are not as important as, 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 as people who support them have made out to be. That, that mm. there can be worse things to deal with than that. Yeah, uh, you know, there's the, the the famous aphorism by Mike Tyson. He said that everybody's got a plan until you punch them in the face. And I think NATO and the West have just been punched in the face and they're suddenly realizing quite a lot of things about the world that they had forgotten, possibly. Um, and that includes luxury beliefs like you're describing. You know, uh, it was things you could afford to believe when you weren't threatened. But I think once... Um, you realize that, that, that physical might uh, or, or, or kinetic uh, force mm. has a role to play in the world, um, you know, no matter how civilized you think the world might get, mm. then, then you realize that you need a, a, an adequate and appropriate response to that kind of threat. Uh, mm. And that's what's happening at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for the West, wars for a long time have been elsewhere. 
Exactly. Um, and and, uh, and and generations, you know, young adults who've never, sort of almost probably never lived in a period when there was a war of any significance whatsoever, and certainly not near Europe. So it's mm. it's shaking up a lot of their, uh, their their assumptions about how that life is not quite as predictable as as you may think it is. Mm. I think um, so, so, sir. It's yeah. actually really important to point out on that. You know that of course there have been quite a few war, uh, wars in the past decades. If you think of Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, mm. Yugoslavia, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but as you say, for I think for Western elites, those were quite far-off events that they didn't feel personally involved in. Mm. And Ukraine, even though it is sort of quite far in the east of of Europe, um, is still part of Europe. Um, mm. But I think Europeans do consider it to be within their sphere of influence, um, and they wouldn't have considered it plausible at all for mm. a, a European country to be invaded by mm. another country. Um, so I think they're really shocked by this. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's probably ironically an important wake up call, a sobering uh, moment, um, and then us, uh, other than giving mm. all our money perhaps to the uh, to to the Germans to use to uh, <laughs> to defend Ukraine, the likely uh, the likely impact on South Africa of of what's happened to date and how it's likely likely to to escalate uh, mm. if it continues. Yeah, so I think, you know, probably the, the effects on Earth, on us won't be direct, um, but certainly there will be some indirect effects that we're going to feel here in South Africa. And in, in a recent uh, risk note, which we wrote, we identified three key factors to keep an eye on. The first one is energy prices. So already we've seen oil uh, rise from 70 to $100 per barrel over the past three months, which was the period when uh, tensions were escalating on the Ukraine border. And then we saw the oil price go past $105 per barrel on news of the invasion. Um, and so you can see all the energy prices going up at the moment. It's heating, oil is going up, gas prices are going up, oil is going up, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that is going to, at some stage, feed through to us here in South Africa, even though our petrol price is regulated. Our price is going up around 46 tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Um, but I think you, you have to expect it to go up even further. Um, so, you know, a rate of 25 rands per litre in a few months is not is not uh, out of, off the table. That, that could quite easily happen. Um, Personally, I could say that we are not. We won't be alone in this. I mean, uh, mm. I, I think uh, the the British are paying now are, are just now paying the equivalent of thirty rand a litre. Um, so, uh, so I think it, it, it has world ramifications. But of course. The ability to withstand the knock-on effects of that, the increase in in prices of everything else, of transport, of food, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it, it's like it's like this year's um, COVID crisis. It's it's mm -hmm. it's unexpected and it's huge. So the effects will hit us will will happen substantially rather than a little bit here and a little bit there. Exactly. And uh, another uh, thing we we focused on was. Infl inflation in general, but also mm -hmm. food price inflation specifically. The reason for that is twofold. The one is that fertilizer prices are very high at the moment. Um, so if you know any farmers, you will have heard them complaining about fertilizer prices, mm -hmm. which doubled um, over the past year, effectively, for many fertilizers. And already there's talk about some farmers either you know, planting less to be able to afford the fertilizer that they can buy, mm -hmm. or planting different kinds of crops. So instead of maize, they might pl plant soy. And the second thing, of course, now with the invasion of Ukraine, uh, Russia and Ukraine are some of the world's biggest wheat exporters. Mm -hmm. um, 
And if, if those exports get disrupted, then wheat price is also going to go up. Mm. And that means generally rising food prices, and that hits the poor the hardest, uh, which really increases the risk that there's going to be some political instability and violent unrest. And of course, as South Africans, we saw what happened last year in July, mm. uh, and rising food prices are really going to be another another match to light to this, this very um, uh, inflammable mix we've got in South Africa. Mm. Um, I think one of the problems you're also going to have um, is the fact, and it's because it's 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 come about with with COVID, uh, and it hasn't resolved itself internationally. Is uh, pressure on global supply chains, mm-hmm. um, the bottlenecks that are developing as a result, and in our case, uh, ours is aggravated by the collapse in the train service and the ports to to move mm-hmm. anything one way or the other. Uh, yeah, I mean, am, am I sort of overstating it to say that it's that that, that this uh, this this war is essentially uh, 2022's COVID? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and you know, before COVID hit, uh, I think already people were aware that South Africa is quite a vulnerable economy. Uh, you know, fiscally not in a strong position, uh, with an economy that wasn't growing, hasn't been growing for a decade or so, not properly at least. Um, and for an, an open, exposed, vulnerable economy like South Africa's to be hit by something like COVID can be quite devastating. And we saw it was, you know, with two million jobs lost and a big contraction in GDP uh, and, you know, really a big setback in South Africa's development. Yeah. And I think that this is a similar shock um, coming, you know, immediately at the back of the first one, the COVID shock. And that's really not not good for an economy like ours. Mm. With regard to the supply chains, yes, you know, I think there are going to be some some unanticipated consequences there. Uh, for example, uh, the the aircraft manufacturing company Antonov mm. is, is based in Kiev. It's a, it's a Ukrainian company. And the reason why this company is special is because it makes the two biggest planes in the world, which is the mm-hmm. Antonov AN-225 and the 124. Uh, and these planes are the only ones big enough to transport things like big turbines and fire trucks and okay. helicopters. So if, if these uh, planes can't be serviced or get damaged uh, in the war, then suddenly it will get much more difficult to ship turbines around the world quickly. Mm. You'll have to mm. put them on a ship and, you know, on, on trains and so on. Everything will take longer. Mm. Uh, and that is going to be very disruptive on global supply chains. And it's a small thing. You know, you don't immediately think of, of big planes when you think of Ukraine. But, mm. but there mm. you go. That's interesting. I didn't realize Antonov was based in Ukraine, not uh, not Russia. Um, there, there's a certain irony in that. But I mean, ESCOM is likely. To, ESCOM's woes are likely to be affected because somewhere in there, there's most likely going to, the, the uh, sort of uh, machinery and equipment that they need to replace a lot of what's causing breakdowns in our in, our, mm-hmm. in the supply of our energy. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there are going to be other things like that. Um, For example, with just with Russia being frozen out of global markets uh, through the freeze on on the central bank's assets and through the the block on SWIFT, uh, Russia is going to be in global supply chains and you're taking this element out of the chain uh, and things are going to break and have to be redirected somewhere else. Mm. So that's, it's going to make things slower, it's going to make things more expensive, uh, and it's going to add to these inflationary pressures mm-hmm. that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's what, uh, uh, what indicative of, a, of a, a, a response and how quickly it's been is the slide in the ruble. Mm-hmm. As I understand that the, 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 the greatest drop pretty much ever. Um, and, I mean, you've already seen, seen uh, scenes of... of Russian citizens trying to withdraw money from banks, literally, you know, going to ATMs and trying to 
pull money out as much as possible in anticipation of having of, of, of very soon having no access whatsoever to their uh, to their to their currency um, it's it's quite difficult to I'm trying to you know we, we, South Africa's given some very sort of mixed messages about this you had them first saying uh, this is unfortunate and then the Department of International Relations said Russia must leave Ukraine, which was nice and supportive of Ukraine, and then uh, Sora Maposa said, no, that's not what we really mean. What we really mean is we hope the matter's resolved soon. So in other words, mm. the, the parts of the government will, uh, at least see, the, see Russia as, a, as an ally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, obviously, Russia's been active in, in Africa, but there's also an element of, see what you, what you think on this point, of the ANC looking at Russia as it once was, in other words, as it once was the, the dominant player in the Soviet Union. And mm-hmm. it's still, it's, and therefore it's still Russia. The Russia then is somehow the Russia now, even though it, it's an autocracy, it's not a communist society. Mm, yeah, I, I think partly it's also just the, 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 the desire, I think, of the ANC government to be seen as being anti-West. Mm. Uh, so who do you align with if it's not the United States and, and you know, Europe and, and Japan and Australia? Well, then you align with countries like uh, China, like Russia, like Iran, like Venezuela, like Cuba and so on, mm. where you feel um, that you are you know, on the underdog team, so to speak. But you're also on the team of, of people who, who maybe uh, use political governance systems that you feel more comfortable with, um, think, thinking specifically now of Venezuela and Cuba. Yeah, uh, you know, which which still proudly uphold the tradition of communism, despite the physical <laughs> effects, <laughs> the visible effects of, of doing that over decades. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why 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 we see this alignment. But what was also noteworthy is seeing uh, how little uh, active support Russia got from the international community, even from Absolutely. its allies. Uh, so the best they got was mostly a lukewarm. You know, both sides should negotiate, yeah. and and war is very bad. Like what they got from South Africa now. Um, but that's also what they got from China, for example, and from India, and from countries that they might have considered to be supportive of, the, of, of their, their aims. Yeah. Um, I think the only sort of outright support they got, as, as far as I could see, was from Belarus, mm. which is you know a, a dictatorial vassal state of Russia's effectively, um, and from Syria, which is also not a paragon of, of good governance and development. Right. I'll, I'll raise an issue on that shortly after this. IFM. 101.9 megahertz of life. John, raising on, on that point, probably the one country that's been had to try and straddle both support or, or not uh, opposition to both uh, what both countries are doing has been Israel, because I, I, I assume it it would very its heart is with Ukraine, but it's the control that Russia has over Syria uh, is probably has to count as more important for the safety of uh, of of israel and, and in that respect somebody suggested it's been suggested that israel is in the best place to mediate between both parties i mean the the, the thought of it just is it just the ironies abound left right and center mm-hmm. but the other thing is that this is where it where it has that interesting sort of effect on ordinary people and that is the number of uefa and fifa Mm-hmm. Have uh, barred Russian teams from playing uh, in the, in their competitions. It may affect Russia's uh, involvement in the World 
the World Cup soccer in Qatar later this year. And Abramovich, God, I used to know that because I'm a Chelsea supporter, has actually divested himself of his uh, interest in, in to 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 a bit to a set of trustees um i'm, I'm not sure how that will work in terms of whatever they whatever the, in, the british decide to grab from uh, uh in, in the terms of in terms of assets from people but it's going to the heart of what matters to people in their daily lives and what's your sense that this may have a real impact or not on on, on Russia's population and, and its responses to its leaders? Well, in, in a way, it puts Russia in a, in a kind of similar position to where South Africa was during apartheid, you know, which is both the economic isolation uh, and I guess also the, the cultural isolation because it's the soccer, as you point out, but I also see that Warner Brothers doesn't want to release movies in Russia. Um, Sony Pictures doesn't want to release its movies in, 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 in Russia and Walt Disney as well. So you're seeing a, already a kind of cultural boycott, a sporting boycott. They want to uh, take away Putin's honorary black belt in Taekwondo, I see. <laughs> so Ooh, that will probably hurt, really hurt. That's really <laughs> going to hurt him. Um, so I think those things, you know, on the one hand, they, they probably do uh, cause uh, some anger, dissatisfaction and frustration. Uh, but on the other hand, they can also work to, to meld uh, an organization, bring it closer together in the mm. face of, of opposition. So, you know, will, will Russians in, in the face of being isolated build their internal economy, build relationships with uh, non-Western uh, uh, countries, for example, uh, by, by expanding their, their own parallel to the SWIFT system? Or will they just get really, really unhappy and do something mm. about about changing the politics in their country? That's that's uh, anybody's guess at this at this stage. Now, I would have thought that, you know, in, in making his calculations about invading Ukraine, he had to have anticipated some effect on on the, on Russian oil and gas supplies, it being the mainstream of their economy. But, I mean, Germany's turned around and said, you know, the, the pipeline's out of the question um, uh, as things stand. Has, do you think it's made arrangements to somehow find alternative markets or do you think it was surprised by Germany's response mm. and didn't expect it? Yeah, it's, it's, I haven't really got information to read out of Russia on this, uh, mm. but I do think that they weren't expecting the rapidity and vehemence of the European response. I think that they probably also thought that their influence over Western Europe was uh, greater than it has turned out to be mm. because of the gas and energy they supply into Western Europe. But Western Europe seems to be saying, well, you don't actually, you know, <laughs> We, we care about it. We know it's going to be painful, but we are going to put those sanctions in place anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure Russia has to be looking for new markets now. Probably well, China. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what's interesting is that's the, exactly part of what the, I suppose this new generation will have to come to terms with, is that by virtue of events like this, in which you essentially do pick sides, um, you're going to have to... Uh, you're going to have to take losses. Things are going to get tougher. And uh, that, yeah. that is part of... That can happen. That's part of life. Mm. And I mean, what I'm very curious to see is if, if Germany will embrace nuclear energy again, having mm. you know just switched off, I think, the three of the last six mm. nuclear generators at the end of last year, uh, and then planning to switch off the last three at the end of this year. Yeah. But suddenly, I think they're beginning to see the value of energy Absolutely. independence. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, anecdotally, I mentioned a chat with a with a friend of ours, and uh, uh, he said, you know, previously, generally, in a, in a society where people talk only renewables, the discussions about uh, nuclear energy are starting to take place. Mm. So um, I think uh, uh, I think it, it is it is the ultimate reality check. Mm. Um, John, thank you very very much for joining me and uh, for covering internal and inter- and international aspects of this really really fraught situation. Thank you, Sarah. Chat soon. Good.